Hello, and welcome to the Church on the Hill podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to join us live this Sunday at 500 Sands Drive in San Jose, California. Visit churchonthehill.com for service times and directions, and also to learn more about connecting, growing, and serving at Church on the Hill. Now, please enjoy our sermon at Church on the Hill. We have been enrooted. This is going to be week five in your books. We have been in the rooted curriculum. This is our fifth week. And just a few weeks ago, I was looking at the numbers because that's part of my job as the community groups pastor. And right now we're running at a place where about 80% of you who are in the room on a Sunday morning are in a group. And that is such an awesome thing to know that 80% of us are doing that because that means that church isn't just happening on Sunday morning and it's something you just come, you hear, and then you leave. It's actually something that you're talking about and digging into, and I think God honors that and does a lot of things with it. So I just want to say well done and good job, because that's a lot of you that are making the time, and you've gone through things like the prayer experience where you took three hours and did something that's probably unfamiliar, and for some of you, I know that God kind of made it clear, like, man, you need more of this in your life. This is a really positive thing, and it's really fun to get to see what God is doing in the midst of this, and for me... I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm excited to be up here this morning and be able to continue it and talk about it. And we are in week five of it. Week five is strongholds. And what that means is as much as God is real and as much as he has a plan for yours, your life, and as much as he loves you and wants specific things for you, the honest truth is Satan's real too. Evil is real too. Negativity is real too. And as much as God has something for you, there's Satan and evil that's trying to pull that away from you and rob you of that. And we don't like to talk about it because sometimes it feels weird or creepy or we're like, we don't want to be one of those crazy churches. But we have to be real with the honesty of, man, there is evil and Satan is pulling you towards something that is not what God has for you. And we live in the tension of that. And so this morning, that's what we're going to be talking about. And I'm going to warn you ahead of time, we're going to get a little deep. Um, We're going to talk about some heavy stuff, but I'm excited to do it because I think God has freedom and uh, some special things in store for a lot of us. So let me pray and then we'll get started. Father, I thank you for this opportunity um, just to be able to come together as a group and to be able to worship you. Lord, I ask that this morning you would do special things amongst us, Lord, that people would be set free from things they've struggled with for a long time. Lord, that you would restore our hope in you that you actually can set us free. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for this opportunity. And I just ask that you would speak through me this morning, Lord, and uh, that you would touch people's hearts and guide them to a freedom they previously haven't had, Lord. Amen. So, like I said, we're talking about strongholds. Uh, But to get there, I'm going to start off with a story, because I like to, okay? But I don't like telling this story. And I'm going to give you guys full disclosure. This is not a story I'm excited to tell. Um, It's a story that's embarrassing enough for me that I am tempted to change the details or to just leave some parts out. And my goal is to not do that because I don't think it's going to help you and I don't think it's going to help me. But understand, I'm not trying to glorify what took place, okay? But to tell this story, we have to go a long ways back. So you guys ready to go on a little journey with me? Are you willing to go back? And there goes the energy. All right. 
well, I'm going with you. So whether you want to go or not, we're going. So we're going a long ways back because this was when I was in high school in like 16 years or 16 years old, which means it's been a while now because it just keeps getting farther away and I'm now gray in the beard and stuff. So it can't be that close that I was in high school. But it was a normal day at my high school. I left school and I went out to my old little Ford Ranger and I hopped in there and smelt that great smell of like burning radiator. Uh, And I drove the way that I normally drive. And as I come around the corner to go where I'm usually going, there's just way more traffic than there normally is. And so I decide, you know what, I'm not going this way. So I flip around and I go a different direction. And this other way that I'm going to go requires me to get on the freeway. And I'm driving towards the freeway. And it's a long time ago. I don't remember exactly what I was doing. I just remember I was distracted. I was probably like looking for music or something. So I turn on the radio and it's like, da-da-da-da-da. That one? Okay. The next song I flip over to, it's like, may I have your attention, please? Okay? Now, some of you got it. There's like 12 of you in the room that now know how old I am. And the rest of you are like, what are you talking about? Anyways, paying attention to that, doing something I'm just not paying attention to the road. I don't remember exactly what was happening. But I'm looking down, and I remember looking up and realizing, oh, no, there's the freeway entrance, and it's on the right-hand side of the road, and I... I'm in the left lane, and that's not where you're supposed to get on the freeway from when it's on the right-hand side. And so like a 16-year-old that is new at driving, I don't do what I'm supposed to do. I don't look over my shoulder. I don't look in the mirror. Instead, I just go, ooh, freeway, whoop, and I turn. And it was bad news for the car right next to me because I hit that car. It wasn't a crazy accident, but I hit the front end of that car, and I smacked into him, And I remember at that moment just being completely flooded with panic. Like, oh my goodness, what have I done? I'm 16 years old. I've never been in an accident. I don't even know what's happening. And so at this point, I make the choice that I know I should not have made, and I floor it. And I don't mean floor it a little. I mean pedal down, we're going. And I get on the freeway going as fast as I possibly can. I weave in and out of traffic on the freeway. I'm going as fast as this little ranger has ever gone. I get to the exit. I weave through traffic at the exit. I'm running through stop signs. I'm driving like a complete maniac. And I remember I get close to the house, but I didn't want to park at the house in case someone was following me. And I park in this little hidden area kind of close to our house. And I get out and I look around the truck and I'm inspecting every inch of it. And the craziest thing There is not a single mark anywhere. Not a scratch, not a dent, not paint, nothing. No marks, nothing. And I think to myself, I'm never going to tell anyone. Yeah, smart. So, that's my plan, and it's not a plan of like I'm never going to tell anyone, kind of. It's like I'm not going to tell a single soul. And I go to school the next day, and I park in a completely different area because I don't want someone to see me. And at this point, you think, wow, Josh, that's pretty scummy of you. And you're right. But check it out. It gets worse. So I go to class. I don't even remember which class. But I go to class, and I remember sitting next to this girl that I kind of knew. I wasn't really close with her, but I kind of knew her. And I just asked her, I was like, hey, what have you been up to? Like, what would you do yesterday? And she goes, you wouldn't believe it. I'm like, what? What happened? She goes, yesterday, my group of friends and I that I carpool with, 
we were driving home and some person cut us off, hit the front end of our car, and then totally took off in a hit and run. Like, what a jerk, just took off. And she goes, but check it out. We think we know the make and model of the car, and we think the person had the placard from the school, so we think they probably went here. So at lunchtime, we're going to go look through the parking lot and see if we can find it. It gets worse. Lower your expectations of me. She goes, do you want to go search for the car with me? You know what I did? I was like, yeah. That's so wrong. So I went out at lunch to search for this person. And when they gave the description of the car that was wrong, I was like, yeah, that's what we're looking for. Let's tell everyone that's what we're looking for. And we searched and we never found it. Crazy, right? Never found the vehicle. And I did not tell a single person. And for some of you right now, you're like, I can't listen to you because you, I've been in a hit and run and you're that type of person. Here's what I would ask. Understand I was 16 years old and give me some grace for it. I would not do that now. And yes, I was a complete scumbag to have done that. But the reason why I tell you this story is not because I just want to show you how terrible, terrible of a person I can be. It's because I want to tell you what took place after. And what took place after was this. I didn't tell anyone, and I thought it was just going to go away, right? And within weeks, I remember that that girl that I sat next to, that I would talk to every once in a while, I never spoke to her again. All the friends that were in the parking lot that were like part of that community, I avoided them like the plague. I would not speak to them. I didn't even recognize that I was doing some of these things, but as I looked back, I realized I would leave my classes. And you know how you have routes that you take from one class to another? If I would pass one of those people on my route, I would then change my route to go a different direction. If I got invited to go to a friend's house and one of those people from that group was going to be there, I wouldn't go. And I didn't even realize this, but what was taking place was I felt so guilty and so ashamed. And every time I walked by one of those people, I felt like such a scumbag. So I just avoided them. I just completely avoided them. And within weeks, I had zero relationship with any of them. And the reason why I bring that up is because I think the first time that takes place is in the garden. And it's the first time sin comes in. And you guys know this story. Eve eats the apple and she gives Adam the apple and they both eat of it. And what do they do? They cover themselves because they're ashamed and they run and they hide. And it's not just because they ate the apple. It's because they chose to do what Satan wanted them to do. They chose to step out of God's will for their life and step into the will of I'm going to do what I want, how I want, when I want. And when they chose their own selfish ways and when they gave into the temptation that Satan put before them, it caused a divide in the relationship with them and God. Just like for me, when I took the shame and I took the guilt and I felt so messed up, it eroded the relationship entirely. And the reason why I tell you that this morning is because as we talk about strongholds in week five, I think sometimes we have the wrong idea of what a stronghold is. 
We think a Satan stronghold is like Satan coming up in a red leotard with a pitchfork and horns and a tail and being like, I'm evil and this is what I'm going to do. And that's not what a stronghold is. And rarely does he tempt us that way. When Satan tempts us, it's almost always he goes to our past and grabs something that we've done wrong. He takes our sin. He takes the things that we're ashamed of. And then he pours guilt and he pours shame and he pours questions and he pours all of that on there until he's completely turned you against yourself and you don't even think he's a part of it. You don't even realize that he's getting his grip on you and instead you just start to have these negative thoughts and you have this shame and you have this hiding and it begins to erode that relationship. And that's what a stronghold is. The stronghold is something where the sin of your past or the negative of your past begins to influence your present and also your future. And if we think Satan comes at us as a devil with a pitchfork, we are so mistaken because that's not nearly as powerful as robbing our minds and making us see ourselves in a completely different light than what God has for us. And I know for some of you, this comes out in different ways. For some of you, you've gone through a divorce that you're ashamed of, and it holds you, and it weighs on you. And you may not even realize it, but that entire group of friends you used to have that you used to be connected with, you don't talk to any of them anymore. There's certain restaurants that you can't even go to because they bring back the past. There's certain parts of towns you won't even go to because it brings back the past and you feel so guilty and so ashamed and it holds you. For some of you, maybe you had an abortion and you look back and you regret it and it holds you hostage because anytime you see a kid, you remember it and you feel ashamed. Maybe you have another child, and raising that child, you feel so bad about the child you didn't have, but you hide it, and you feel ashamed. Maybe you have more kids, but you just feel like you can't be the parent you're supposed to be because it holds you in bondage. Because Satan has a grip. Maybe for you, you betrayed a friend. You did the thing and you acted in the way where you said, I'm never going to be that person. I won't do that. But you did. And now Satan has a grip on what you've done and you can't even have relationships. You can't get close. You have to hold everyone at a distance because of that pain. Or maybe it's worse. And this might be the ugliest form, but maybe it wasn't even a sin that you committed. It was a sin that someone else committed. Maybe it was a family member or someone around you that was older or the same age, but they mistreated you in a relationship. And the scars of that past that weigh so heavy hold you in bondage to where you can't have a healthy relationship. You can't connect with freedom with people because you're still in bondage to what Satan has his grip on from your past. And the crazy thing about this, the point that I want to get to is for so many of us, we have that take place in our life. But then we think to ourselves, you know what? I think that's how God views me. 
I think that's where God has me. That's what he thinks of me. And we don't even realize this is clearly not something from God. This is something Satan has grabbed onto and made a stronghold in your life. But we don't understand the truth of that or we don't take hold of the truth of that. Because here's what God has through Christ for you in your life. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 21 says this. If you're a Christ follower in the room, this is for you. It says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 16 continues to say this, and hold on to this, understand this. It says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. If you are a Christ follower, then we regard no one from a worldly point of view. The sins and the wrongs of your past are no longer how you are to be regarded if you are in Christ. It continues on. Though once we regarded Christ in that way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. I'm going to read that again. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you're a Christ follower in this room, God is not sitting there going, I hold you by what you've done in the past. The truth of this situation is it's Satan's grip on our past and it's us holding ourselves in contempt for what we've done. But it's not where God wants us. He says, you're a new creation. You've been set free. What I gave to you was the righteousness of my son in exchange for your sin. But for so many of us, we don't grab onto it. And the really sad truth is this. For most of us, maybe I shouldn't say most of us, but for a lot of us, instead of grabbing onto that, what we do is we have all this hurt and all this shame and all this guilt and all this pain, and we act like none of it's there. We just hide it. We act as though it doesn't exist, and we put on a front and we tell everyone, no, I'm just fine. And we hide it. But the truth is this, every single time we hide it, every time I walked down a different hallway, every time I parked in a different area, every time I didn't go to that get-together, what happened was Satan's grip got a little bit stronger. Every time you don't do that thing, Satan's grip gets a little bit stronger and the belief inside your head comes up a little bit more and that belief says to you over and over again, if people only knew 
And then we fill in the blank with the worst case scenario. And we tell ourselves over and over again, if people only knew, and we make the worst outcome possible. And as we hide it, and as we trap ourselves, and as we take this belief that if people only knew, we begin to justify it. And you know what we tell ourselves? We go, you know what? I can't even tell anyone because I would just be too much of a burden. I can't tell anyone what's gone on inside of me because no one else can handle that. I can't tell anyone because no one deserves to have to deal with that. Or maybe because you're not known, you say, you know what? No one cares. No one actually wants to know the real me. And if that begins to take seed, then actually it becomes worse a lot of times. And you know what we start to do is we start to tell ourselves this. You know what? The reason why the negative happens, the reason why the bad happens, the reason why things aren't going the way they're supposed to go is because I deserve it. This is what I deserve. I've earned this because the things I've done wrong, this is the result. It's just a consequence. This is what's supposed to happen to me. And that stronghold of the past starts to take our present and our future, and it changes our expectation and our hope, and even our expectation of what God might do. And we get to this terrible place where we go, it is what it is, and I can't change it. It's just hopeless. And I'm just going to write it out, because there's no other option. It's just hopeless, so this is just what's going to happen. This is the way that life is going to be, and we accept it, and we act like that's okay. And sooner or later, it takes so much root, and the stronghold is so strong that we start to have our present and our future dictated by what's taken place in our past, and that stronghold has so much power that we don't even believe there's good to come or there's good now because we're defined by that. And for some of you... This is where destructive behaviors come in. Why is it okay to drink too much, to eat in super unhealthy ways, to not take care of your body, to all do all those different things? Because who cares, right? It's what you deserve, right? For some of you, you enter into unhealthy relationships that you know are not God-honoring, you know they're not the right thing, but you think to yourself, this is what I deserve, so who cares? I may not get treated right, and this may not be healthy, but whatever. And it's all because there's a stronghold that Satan's grabbed onto, and it won't stay in the past because now it's influencing your present, and it has a stronghold on your future, too. That is what a stronghold looks like. It is not a devil with a pitchfork and a red leotard. It is Satan taking your past and throwing so much guilt and shame on it that you can't even see the truth of what God has for you. And Jesus says this in John chapter 8.32. He says, I have come to set you free. Jesus died so that you could have freedom. The one holding you in the bondage to your sin is not Christ. 
That is a stronghold of Satan that has caused you to turn against yourself, and it is your belief that is holding you there. It's your expectations that is dictating your present and your future, but it is not what God has for you. The message that we see so clear in 2 Corinthians, in John, and on the cross is the same thing. Jesus is saying over and over again, I took that upon my son. God says the whole point of all of this was I took the consequences. I took your sin. I took those burdens. I took that shame. And when I took that guilt, and in return, I gave you my righteousness. It's the greatest gift we're ever going to be given for God to take that upon us, all of the guilt, all of the shame, and say, I will wear that and I will put that on my son. That's what made the cross so difficult. But in return, you get righteousness. But the problem is, most of us are not accepting the righteousness. We're not accepting the freedom that has been offered. And the truth of our identity, the truth of what we are is this. We really only have one thing that gets to define us. And you have two options. Option number one is you can be the sum total of your past. All the good, all the bad, all the negative, that is your identity. That is who you are. Or you can believe that God sent his son to die for you and through forgiveness, not through what you've done, not because you've earned it or not because you did the right thing, but through what he did for you. You can accept that forgiveness and that love and understand you are righteous. You're no longer held responsible for those sins or for the consequences. Scripture says it like this. In John chapter 8, verse 34 to 36, it says, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If you are a Christ follower and the son has set you free, then you are free indeed, but you have to take that truth and make it yours. Because the truth of this situation is this. When we define ourselves by the sin of our past and we hide ourselves, then what happens is we feel like we cannot really have a relationship with anyone because no one actually knows us. And if they don't actually know us, then they can't truly accept us and they can't truly love us. And if you're at a place where you feel like you can't be known and you can't be loved and you can't be accepted, then what you also cannot do is have a relationship. And what is it that God wants from us in our, in our time with him? He wants a relationship. And so Satan has the stronghold that is preventing this relationship, and God is giving you a clear invite to a relationship. But you can't feel like you're in a relationship if you're not actually known, and if you can't let go of some of the strongholds of the past, then you're not going to feel like God really knows you or his people really know you. 
And you'll be unable to actually accept the freedom and the forgiveness and the relationship that is offered. And so we come back to this reality. You get to be defined by one thing. And it's either your past or it's God's definition of you. But the struggle here is this. We're going to get really tangible right now because I know some of you are sitting here going, yeah, Josh, that's a cool story. And I actually want that for my life. But guess what? I don't know how to get there. If I could have had that, then I would have done it a while ago. And my goal is not to just leave you disappointed or frustrated as you walk out of here. So what we're going to do is we're going to get really, really tangible. And I want to give you something of hopefully how we're going to get you to that place. So what I want you to do is we're actually going to, we're going to take these cards, but we'll get there in a minute. Because I think the way that we get there is this. If you don't know the answer of how do you get there, here's the answer. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So how do we get there? By the transforming of your mind. What does that mean? That means the thoughts of your past that Satan has a stronghold on that cause you to play those records in your head that are so negative. The bondage and the sin and the, the just slavery that you have to that, those are all thoughts in your head that continue to play. So how do we get free from it? We renew our mind. What does that look like? 2 Corinthians 10.35 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. There it is. And it doesn't say to have an impact on strongholds or to help you push back against strongholds or to make a little progress against strongholds. It says they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How do we renew our minds and how do we gain the freedom that Christ has for us? We take captive every single thought and make it obedient to Christ. So here's what we're going to do this morning. The band's out and they're going to play a song. And what I want you guys to do is you have a note card in your program and on one side it says my past definition of me. And I want you to take those strongholds and the thought that they put into your head, those thoughts that you've played so many times, I want you to write them out. And I didn't say bring them to your mind and just think about them. There's something different that takes place when you write them out. I want you to write them out, put them on paper, no matter how ugly or vile or messed up they are, take it out and write them down. Write them out. And then what you're going to do is you're going to flip it over and it says God's definition of me. And what I want you to do is to find verses and to find scripture that speak the truth of God's love to you, that talk about your freedom, talk about you being set free, and I want you to write those out. 
I understand this is going to take longer than just a song, but get started in here and then continue when you go home or continue later in the week. But the whole goal of what we're trying to do today is we're trying to take the truth of Scripture and make it your personal truth. We're trying to take the truth of God's Word and say, how do we make this your personal truth? And how do we make this your identity and what defines you? And you do it by renewing your mind and taking every thought captive. So the band's going to play, and that's what you guys have to do. Take some time and write out what those strongholds are, what the message that comes to your head because of those strongholds. So go ahead and do that now. As we close out, remember this is going to take more time. Please invest in it. But as we close this morning, I think it'd be crazier for us not to take a time of communion. And if you're a believer in the room, then this is for you. If you're not there yet, you can come ask us questions, but it's not for you yet. But what I want us to do is two different things. First, it's this. To go back to take communion and to remember the sacrifice that Christ paid in order to give us that relationship what it costs him to give us that freedom and that righteousness that we get to take ownership of, to be sons and daughters. Let's remember what it costs. But more than that, as it says in Corinthians, we are called to be Christ's ambassadors. What that means is we're supposed to share this good news with other people. We're not supposed to just have the righteousness ourselves. We're supposed to show what other people can have, give them the freedom that we've experienced. And for some of you, you've been on the sideline for a long time because the power of the stronghold. And so what I'm asking this morning is make this a moment where you put a stake in the ground and go, I'm not going to live by that anymore. I'm going to go back and I'm going to take communion, but I'm going to walk out of here different and I'm going to re-engage and be in Christ's ambassador because I've been called to that and I've been set free for that. And as cheesy as this is, I think it's going to make you guys remember it. So I'm going to say it. The picture that comes to my mind right now is, you know, Top Gun Maverick came out and made Maverick cool or made Top Gun cool again. So I went back and I watched it. And you get that scene at the very end of the movie where Iceman is up in the dogfight and it is not going well because the other plane's been shot down and there's way too many of the enemy and they're coming to get him and he's in a bad situation. So they send Maverick up. And Maverick goes up, but then all of a sudden he starts having his flashbacks about Goose and all the things of his past, and he pulls out and he goes, I'm not doing it. But then every single person on that aircraft carrier and his wingman and everyone else is going, what? What are they saying? Re-engage, Maverick. Re-engage. And he does. He comes back. And they win that dogfight, and they come back to the aircraft carrier, and they're celebrated as heroes. And it's the story, it's the ending that we were hoping for, and it's what made the movie, right? And not only did it make the movie, it gave us a ride at Great America, and then gave us a sequel a hundred years later. But the reason why I tell that is I think for some of you, God is asking you to re-engage because he doesn't want the ending that you're currently writing to your movie. He has a different ending and he's maybe even got a full sequel that's waiting for you, but you can't get there staying on the sideline held by a stronghold. 
So as you take communion, re-engage. Okay? Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. Lord, as I hear people's response, you're moving in the room. Thank you for that. Lord, I ask that you would set people free. That the strongholds that have held them for so long would be broken. Lord, that there would be freedom. And that they would re-engage. And that you would give them a different ending and a sequel and things they never, ever expected, Lord. Thanks for loving us. Amen.